Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the Kaliwabas just thinking about it. We're all the way up to chapter 13 in Exodus. The children of Israel have been let go. Pharaoh finally consented and said, hey, get out of my kingdom. And actually, it actually said, didn't it say something like um, the people were actually rebelling against them also and pushing them away? So now Israel is now, the whole nation is, is getting ready to leave. And we're going to start this off. Exodus 13, verse 17, all the way through chapter 14. So you know where we're headed, and go. Tom, take it away. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Isn't it, isn't it appropriate that God always sends us around the long way? To <laughs> that's the t- Tom, that's when we learn the lessons. It builds character, Tom. Builds character. I like that. I like that. Builds character. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from your place. Would that be like like when you're the best man, you got the ring, and you're like, did you get the bones? I didn't get the bones. I thought you were getting the bones. <laughs> Where's the bones? Honestly, you know what actually popped in my head? Holes. I know he's buried around here somewhere. <laughs> After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillow... the the pillow neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people all right chapter 14 verse 1 then the lord said to moses tell the israelites to turn back and encamp near can i buy a vowel for <laughs> okay okay p p ha it's it's pi ha right. between migdal and the sea they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Yep. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So right now they're they're leaving and they're they're going to encamp, right? Okay. So I just I just want us to to kind of follow this, which by the way, I did get a, a little bit of a definition. A couple of little definitions. Um 
so Sakoth or Sakoth, that S-U-C-C-O-T-H, actually means celebration. So apparently Sakoth meant after the celebration, they left the celebration, basically, and went about their way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that uh, they're using a little bit of a, a military tactics here to lure Pharaoh into this false sense of security. They, t- they took the, them a- around this, you know, the, the Philistine area because if they were faced with impending doom, then they would have turned back and went home and, and dealt with the evil that they know rather than going into war that they're not really, you know, warriors. Right. You know? And so God led them in a way that made it look like they were confused, that they were like just lost and, and, and lambs to slaughter. We'll read a little bit further. And once we get to the part where they're actually crossing... We'll go ahead and I'll bring up the map and I'll show you guys what we're talking about here as far as the location of where all this happened. Fantastic. All right, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Hold on, hold on. Why would it say that? Like verse 7, it says, also he took 600 choice chariots and all the rest of them. So... Yeah, what does that what does that mean? Like he, he just took them all. Like. <laughs> well, I know that, but why would he say six hundred choice chariots and then all of a sudden change his mind and say and all the like? Mine says six hundred choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with well, the captains over over them. So the six chosen ones are the ones that are going to lead the battle. The other ones are probably either supplies or they're actually just you know I guess you can come along kind of deal. That's the way I looked at it. Okay. Well, maybe this is part of the hardening of the heart because he took his choice, like the the, the um the like the infantry or the cavalry, you know, the 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 front runners, like the king's guard, if you will, the six hundred. So like of the he choice. wants this six hundred, and all the rest of them just got ready and left. You know, yeah. and then he was like, "Let's just bring them all. Let's just you know, <laughs> forget let's, it. Forget yeah. it. Just, just everybody take, take go. Everybody." <laughs> okay. Uh, verse eight. Verse eight. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly the Egyptians all pharaohs the Egyptians all pharaohs horses and chariots horsemen and troops per- pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Herath opposite Baal Zephon as pharaoh approached the Israelites looked up and there were th- and there were the Egyptians marching after them they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here, that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in, in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. No, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. That's, Mo- just, that's just so weird. They go, They go straight to... Oh, there weren't any place to bury us out there. So, like, they go right to the the worst-case scenario. God brought us out here to die. Right. Like, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I honestly, know. Moses did this, too, when, when he first went out. 
He was like, listen, God, I told you I'm, I, I didn't talk very well. I came out here. I did what you told me to do. Now everything's worse for them. What right. But the, the difference is, is that Moses actually listened to the Lord after that. After that, God, he, he, he literally, and I, don't get me wrong, I think he surrendered at the burning bush. But I think full surrender came at that moment. And I think maybe that was the reason why that miracle of the snake eating the snake and, and, and the, the snake turning from, you know, the, the, the staff into the snake and all that stuff. I think that was for Moses' benefit, for him to see, okay, God's really, he's really got our back. This is for real. So this is like, I, I think that's perfect, that, that instance where Moses, he, he complained and he did. He's like, this is worse. Everything I'm doing is making this worse. And then all of a sudden, he's, God's like, no, I got your back. This is what's going to happen. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You need a staff to read this part. Like <laughs> The Egyptians you see today will never see the sea again. Wait, what? We'll never see again. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Wow. Be still and know. How true is that today? Like, we get so tied up in everything. Mine says peace. Huh? Mine says peace. What? Like, yes. what verse? Shall, in peace. 14, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Oh. Oh, gotcha. The Lord okay. will fight for you and you need only to be still. You know, sometimes we get in our own way. Much like the Israelites we're getting ready to do right here. They were trying to run around and try to panic mode. Oh, no. And he's like, just just chill. Just relax. Pump the brakes. Uno momento, por favor. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> <laughs> Tell the Israelites to move on. <laughs> Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the, that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Wow. <laughs> Why are you crying out to me? <laughs> I so wait, he God said this to Moses though. Yeah. So apparently Moses was in some way reacting to Israel's cry out to Moses. Moses in turn cried out to God. So did Moses not cuz God didn't really talk to Moses like this harshly after this, I don't think. Or maybe he did. Maybe I'm, I'm we're going to have to study that more when we once we get there. Right. Yeah. M maybe uh yeah. Maybe it was one of those um you know, like third wheel kind of things when one person's not talking to the other person, you know, and he's like, why don't you tell the Israelites? And they're like, you know, God, why aren't you? well, if they're not going to talk to me. They're complaining to you. Then I'm going to talk to you to tell them what to do. So it's like, so it's like, Tom, I'm angry with Sully. Go tell Sully that he can <laughs> like that. My mind goes weird places when I read this. It's like, <laughs> well, you go tell that he's right over there. Tell them yourself. They can't handle me telling them myself. <laughs> then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. 
The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. How weird would that have been to be so, the Israelites? So is this, hold on. So is this the, the darkness, the three days of darkness type thing all over again? Because remember when we did the plague of darkness, the scripture says it was literally so dark in Egypt that they all stayed in their own house because even if they lit a fire or whatever, it would it was so dark that they could not even light their own homes to leave their homes. So they, they kind of stayed in their homes for three days. Well, I, I see that uh, um, it's kind of both because – it's saying that it brought light to the Israelites at, at night, but it brought darkness to the other side. Right. It was a, a visible barrier there. Like, they couldn't see through. I'm, I'm sure they had to have been able to, like, maybe see something on the outsides going, I see a mountain or a cliff over there. Like, there's something over there. I think of a smoke screen, honestly. It, that's kind of what I was going. Like, like G.I. Joe? Yeah. yeah. It's a... <laughs> Like God, God threw chaff grenades or something <laughs> right. in there, and like it's just like a smoke grenade, just completely going puffing smoke, and just, that's all you see. I could see the light coming through, but no, can't but see yeah, you can't, it. still can't see anything, right? Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and turned it into dry land. Well, that's kind of cool because I hadn't thought of that before. That what? It took. It wasn't just like a boom, all right, it's done. St- my staff is out. It all parted. It said all throughout the night. So it was a whole evening that it took to roll the sea away. Wow. So it does. It sounds like maybe he was standing. Well, you are, once again, and, and once again, we, we have to understand the enormity of this. We're not talking about a couple thousand people walking through a, a small, like, you know, two shoulder to shoulder people like we're talking literally millions of people up to probably two and a half million plus all their animals and if they brought carts or backpacks or whatever we're we're talking about a very large multitude but they have to cross this area Uh, apparently this says all like you just read all night long the waters were divided and the israelites went through the sea on on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left the Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Okay, so side note. And I know this is where my mind goes. If I were a child during that time, would you have had like enough gumption to go yeah, touch and the like water. touch the, the water, wall. touch yes. the wall of water? Like, whoa. Because the water, I mean, you th- I, I like kind of the portrayals they always do in the movies where like the water's Moana. literally just like <laughs> flowing straight up and kind of like out of the way type of thing. I would. I, even <laughs> if I were an adult, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> my wife had been like, stop it. Well, I'm curious to like what animals were living there. So you're like walking through, never seeing that deep in the sea before. Oh, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like a zoo, zoo thing where you're walking through the tunnels and you're like, oh, look at the little fishy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So many of those people probably wouldn't have seen that stuff before. <laughs> Some coral down there or something. Right. I'm going to start back at 23. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. 
He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water to their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. How morbid. Okay, so, yeah, hold on. They have to... We're talking about they would have had to have, if if they all drowned. So so number one, if they all drowned, it would have probably just because been because of the armor and weaponry and all of that stuff. I don't think so. Okay, go for it. I think that the water going back. It's like have you ever been to the ocean and felt that nasty undertow? Where no. You just okay. Well, <laughs> I've this, I've been to Lake Michigan and felt that nasty undertow. I've been out trying to wade. I've I've attempted to swim in the ocean, but I just can't get far enough out there without the 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 current pushing me back. And so, if you have it coming from the left and from the right, you have this downward suction from them, colla- you know, collapsing together. <sighs> That it will just, then pull them down and along the bottom of the, the, the sea floor. So it would have swept them. You're, you mean literally just swept them under because of the... Okay. Yeah, like the whole vacuum thing. Just Some people... I don't even know how deep the, the, the sea well, we'll is talk about at that, in that a little time. Bit. But even if it's, what, 200 feet? 200 feet deep? That's if 200 feet of water, man. Right, if you're at the very bottom... <laughs> Being able to, A, hold your breath through the suction pulling you down, and B, trying to swim up, drowning is almost inevitable. Right. Good so, point. Okay. So, Sully, I know you know, I'm pretty sure you know this one. How much does one gallon of water weigh? Eight pounds. Very good. One gallon of water weighs eight pounds, and imagine 200 feet of it. And I mean, one gallon, is, a one-gallon jug is about a foot thick, right. roughly. It's a little bit less, but it's about a foot thick. So you're saying 200-gallon jugs of water sitting straight up sitting on someone's head just that weight 200 even if it let's just let's just pretend it was 100 feet just 100 feet how much weight is that 800 pounds well now we're getting into like physics here because not only would that gallon be as big as your head but it'd also be all around us and on exactly so you know you're you're not just going one cylindrical force pointing you, down. you have 800 pounds of force on every square inch of your body is what you've got. Yep. So actually, wouldn't it be sixteen hundred because it's actually two different sides? It, it would be on all sides because that's what Tom's saying. Like your legs would have the pressure coming in from this way, the weight coming from this way. Like it would be gravity would just be just all right. it'd be crushing. So but you'd you'd have well over a thousand pounds. Their uh, armor at that time you. was actually leather, a little bit of chain mail, and then they also had this weird scythe sword. That normally was made out of bronze. It was actually kind of lighter. It's a little bit heavier. Yeah, but it, it would still it weigh you down, though. Yeah. I mean, if you're holding on to it or if you, it's still in your belt or something like that. That's right. kind of, I guess, what I was saying. But if it's not metal armor, because I think I think you're right with that undertow, it would have just pulled them in and swirling around and throwing oh, yeah. around and, and shoved them right down to the bottom. 
or kept them to the bottom because yeah. they were already walking on. If they if they would have survived <laughs> their their necks not breaking from the pressure of everything coming down and pulling them into whatever lived underneath that water, the the lack of oxygen would have finished the job. We're gonna talk right now. I am on um, Google something Earth. Earth. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> it's saying it itself, right? There. Something Earth. <laughs> I had a little bit of fun. So we're going to go for a ride. Whee! Whee! On a magic school bus. On a magic school bus. Number one, let me, let me just put it this way. There are two... When I when I delve into this, I thought, wow, yeah, you know, I, I kind of got a grasp on this, and then I started diving a little bit deeper. And I'm like, uh-oh. There's actually several different renditions of where the Israelites went. So those of you who saw... Which, by the way, I'm going to pull out my Bible. Anybody listening or watching to this, pull out your Bible now. Unless you're driving. Safety yes, first. Yes, then, then pull out after. This is what my Bible shows. Do you see my screen? It looks like a big wrinkled page. It is a big wrinkled page. My Bible was wrong. Drastically wrong. And I have yet to see a Bible correct this. Leave in the comments section uh, if your Bible is correct, and please take a photo of it, because I would love to see this. I have yet to see a Bible. This information you can only find online of people who have actually gone there and looked to see compared to what the Bible says instead of what people just pull out a map and look at. So this is around the land of Goshen. This is the eastern side of Egypt, basically. Nobody actually knows the exact location. I found out that it's, it's, it's not definitive. A lot, my Bible says, oh yeah, they went down here and they crossed right here, actually. Why would God need to part this? This is where they say, my Bible, my Bible. This is probably where they, where they crossed over. That's not even, okay, I, I just, it's stupid. Forgive me for the word. I don't like using the word stupid, but Wait, it's stupid. You said this is Google Google Earth right there, right? Yes. So okay. this is where my Bible's saying they, they crossed over. Okay. That okay. looks like a man-made channel, honestly. Right. But either way, that river's not very big. Right. Well, Even if you go to the, the deepest the... spot, it's not very big. The, the... What, are, what are you going to wash off? Go well, ahead. When you zoomed in, it looked like maybe at one time it was higher. Like it could have been. If you scroll up and you look on both sides, it looks like there was a, a larger body of something there. But then that could be human development currently. Exactly. Now, so. e either way, though, this is not a very like. The, forgive me. This is not a very impressive miracle. If God just split a river, even if it was like a thousand feet across, it's yeah. But the reason I say that is because this peninsula is called the Sinai Peninsula. Now, those of you who know and who have read ahead of time, and you know the story of what's going on here, they're going to Mount Sinai. Let me just tell you flat out, the mountain on, my, on, on this, the Sinai Peninsula is not Mount Sinai. Okay, for several reasons. Number one, the Bible says they go to Arabia. This is still Egypt. This is still the land of Egypt over here. And it always has been. So... And this is the two renditions. I'm giving you two renditions of where they say they, they went across. They went to what is now known as the Sinai Peninsula. So either way, they went down here. So out of the land of Goshen, they headed east. They went south. And then they followed one of two paths. There is, as you guys can see, a lot of river action going on here. Okay. And they went down these river paths right there. 
Those of you, please, <laughs> please watch the YouTube video. <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to be weird. The story is they walked through these empty river paths all the way down to here. Now, this is the Gulf of Aqaba. Okay, so this is the Sinai Peninsula. This is the Gulf of Suez on the, on the western side. And the Gulf of Aqaba is on the eastern side. So it would have been very easy for God to block the Egyptian army if they ran through here and then ran here and then they're like, oh no, they're coming. And then, you know, the cloud and fire, pillar, pillar of fire came out here and stopped them. Why? Because there's mountains all over. They're not going to get through. They're, the Egyptian army is going to be stuck in this river, this empty, dried up riverbed. And this, this area, this, this sand outcropping, I guess, it's pretty massive. The, this sand, this outcropping would have um, very easily been able to hold two and a half, three million people easily. And the reason I say that is because you know those, you see those colored squares. Yeah. And these, these are parking lots and factories. This is a factory here. Nice. Yeah. This is a very like. This is huge. This is massive. It would have been very easy. Now, this was the theory passed down by Ron Wyatt. Ron Wyatt died in 99. And by the way, I would I would highly recommend anybody, the names that I bring up, please look this up for yourself. Don't take just don't just take our word for it or anything like that. This is just through my studying over the years, this is what I've discovered the two best theories for this. So, this is the Red Sea according to Ron Wyatt, the Red Sea crossing according to Ron Wyatt. So, the one thing if you go back to the mountain and riverbeds over here? Yep. Okay. So, the trek, even though the fact that they're actually maneuver warfare because they're chariots and they're horsebound, many Thera would actually have a two horsepower chariot. Everybody else would have oh, one least. horse. So, well, I've heard some of them. Well, no, Israel had I think a ten horse chariot right. at one point, but that was for open field right. combat. That wasn't yeah. so. But with this, you have to take the right path and you got to slow down. Because you got to take those turns. You can't just go full bore. This would be more advantage to the Israelites than it would be for the Egyptians. Right. I do like that. Uh, right. So, And that's a, that's a good point. It would have been a much better advantage. Because God, at this point, it would have probably been the evening or whatever. Because Tom even said, put your hand up and all through the night. So the cloud was probably up in the sky, still blocking them from the last bits of sunlight. They saw Israel, They saw Egypt coming down this way, right? Oh, no, they're coming. And then the cloud would have gone, gone over here and, and slowed them down. The story behind Ron Wyatt, him and his family actually went over here. They found this. The way the story goes is down here toward the southern end of this little sandbar peninsula thing, this beach, is a pillar he found. And the pillar had written in actually several languages, but in ancient Paleo-Hebrew, it said, I, King Solomon, or no, I'm sorry, I, I, King David, erect this pillar in commemoration of the crossing of the Red Sea about how God saved Israel from slavery, da, da, da. Like, it tells the whole story. And then he rented a bulldozer from somebody out here, and, and, and it was, they, he dug it up out of the sand. Then he went scuba diving out here. Okay, you guys were just talking about uh, the depth of the water, right? Right. Okay, according to this, and mind you, it's very hard to see it on these maps because this is not a topography of the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> so just fair warning. Right here to all the way across here. So from here to here, the deepest spot is only 900 feet. Well, out here, just on the other side, this is like 1,500. And then over here is like 2,500 or something ridiculous like that. It's super deep. 
this is like one of the more shallow spots across this entire Gulf of Aqaba, one of the more shallow spots. There's two shallow spots. Ron White and his family went down there, his sons mainly, and they went down there. Went, they went scuba diving, and they found, and if you guys see in the description below, you'll see a couple videos, which th those, are, those videos will just get you started just to kind of study this stuff. What they found was horse hooves, thousands of them, horse hooves all over the place. They found uh, chariot wheels. They found what remained of chariot axles encrusted in coral and stuff like that. They found human bones. That's roughly about 10 miles across. 900 feet down, 10 miles across. That is a very gentle slope down, a very gentle slope up. And that's like uh, two Mackinac Bridges, said, you know, end to end. Yeah. Yeah. Mackinac Bridge is what, about five, about five miles? So, yeah. So we're not talking about something that's, that's super impossible here. Ron White actually went over here, and I guess the, the end of the story is is he went over to Arabia, where the Bible says, and he was searching the beach illegally, mind you. He got arrested, and he went to jail for about a year and a half or so. And he found a, a matching sister pillar here on this side as well. S same thing. The pillar matched the whole thing. And this is the western edge of uh, Arabia. So that's the first theory, okay, which which matches up. The facts match up. I mean, the space is big enough, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very interesting. Um, he found some artifacts. Okay. So the challenge, the secondary challenging theory is this purple one here, this purple line. Okay, so they leave Goshen, they head south, and they follow the beach lines, and then they camp down here at the very end. And this is why, like, Scripture was basically saying we were trapped because they knew they were going down to the end of a peninsula. Now, this peninsula is very interesting, and this is why this this is um, according to my mind. You that you'll you'll find the link below. Uh, Robert Cornuk and Larry Williams, and they actually went here. They flew here. They were kind of adventurers. They took a lot of photos and videos and a whole bunch of fun stuff. The documentaries in the description below. They also went to the Bible for their theory and and tried to explain it. And when they went here, right. Here, it's very hard to see, but you guys see that sandbar? Yep. That's underwater. That's, those sandbars were obviously connected at one point. It's, it's a land bridge. They're only about seven feet under the water. Ooh. Or five. There's some spots that are only three feet under the water. But this sandbar actually covers this whole area. It's actually about this big, and it covers this whole area all the way out to here. But obviously, these are a little deeper. These are probably like 25 feet. Mm -hmm. But then once again, the moment you go off the edge of that sandbar, it goes straight down for like 1,000 feet. Same with this side, like 1,000 feet straight down. And their theory, which I think is fascinating, if this opened up, which let's, let's measure the distance here, shall we? So if they were to walk across, let's just say, let's just put it straight across, 12 miles, about 13 miles. Still not bad. Which, which, by the way, that's the, they're about the same distance. So if you have 3 million people, it would take them all night long. Even if you had it, you know, 30, 40 feet, 30, 40 people across, it wouldn't matter. It would still take 12 hours to get those people to walk that far. You know, I'm just saying that many animals, the whole thing, right? So the theory is, is that God opened this up drained the water, blew the water up, just like what we read. The water was going straight up, and it was all dry land. But 
when you and I were talking about how they were pushed underground or pushed under the water, I'm sorry, pushed under the water. If this, if the, if it was this sandbar, they would literally be pushed off over the edge, over a thousand foot drop straight down. So you're not talking about, you're just, you're not just talking about being like water turbulence pushing you around. No, it's going to, like you said, suck you under, but it's not just sucking you down this you know, 10, 15, 20 feet, if they push you off that sandbar, which God probably did, the water coming down, pushed them all over the place, it would have throw, thrown them down a very, very long distance. So both of these are very interesting. Uh, I have I have qualms with both of them, and I have good things with both of them. They're both really good theories. That's why I kind of put them in both in there, because they're, they have a lot of evidence for both. And lo and behold, let me go over here. This right here, this mountain is called uh, Mount of the Laws, translated. Literally called the Mountain of Laws. We as Christians really got to get out of the habit of, of when we read stuff in Scripture, a lot of times we, we do not look at it as serious as we should. I wish more Christians would, be, would read like what we read in Genesis. We read stuff in Genesis about the flood and we're like, oh, wow, if it was a global, like your mind should go as a Christian, oh, wow, a global flood. There should be evidence somewhere around it. We should be going to our search engines and get on there and go evidence for a global flood. As Christians, we should be doing that. The things like with, with Israel, like was Israel ever in slavery? These are very big historical events. We got to understand that th we're reading history in here. These aren't just stories to, these are not just moral stories to help us to be good people. These are real scientific facts, mathematical facts, historical facts that have happened. And as Christians, we should be ready always to give those answers to people who are like, because I've heard this before, and this is actually, I've heard from people who have visited Egypt, Egyptian historians will flat out say there's no evidence of Egypt ever having an entire nation as slaves. No evidence. Yet, around the same time when this happened, what did it say happened to all of the the Pharaoh's army? What happened? They all they all died. They were they were all destroyed. What would happen to a nation if the entire military force was destroyed in one one swoop? Even if Pharaoh went back to his kingdom, would he have a kingdom anymore? Not really. Not for long, at least. Right. And around this same time, guess what ended up happening in Egypt? Power shift started happening. Egypt was historically, mind you, their power was off the scene now, historically. Like, all of a sudden, Egypt just, like, like people stopped talking about Egypt. All of those nations that were giving tribute to Egypt were gone. Like, they don't, they don't talk about Egypt anymore. They just, it's kind of like Egypt just kind of like smoke in, in, in at night just and just kind of slowly dissipated away because they didn't have they, they didn't have that military might anymore i i just mean this is his this is history so um well, I don't, it's a po very powerful story you, you also have to think though too um word spreads and if egypt is now the enemy or perceived enemy of god that just swallowed them all up who wants to be associated with that oh yeah it, um, at work, uh, our, uh, our, our friend Pat, he ended up cleaning a bird at work. 
it had uh, died of natural causes. We watched it happen, and we went and cleaned it on break. <laughs> natural, <laughs> natural causes. The window was naturally there. So. <laughs> You know, and so so he cleaned it, and and he started like planning the, the, these little stories of I caught this with my bare hands in the backyard, you know, <laughs> and, and finished the job himself, you know, you know, cleaned it and and uh, cleaned it with my teeth and bare hands, you know, <laughs> some some sliver of truth, you know, you have to think it's been amplified. Like well, that. like our, our friend Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron is missing yes, a leg. Aaron, Aaron is missing a leg. Yep, he's missing a the, leg. The cow. I have. Oh my goodness! I've heard shark, alligator, crocodile. I've I've heard so many stories he's told people, and he never tells anybody the real story. Right. He, to, like, he, he told my kids <laughs> that the cow bit it off. <laughs> I I told my son he was an android, and you know what? You know what Aaron did? My son goes, "Is that real?" He's like, "Oh yeah." He flips his leg up. Unhooks it and <laughs> hands it to Bree. He's like, looking at me like, Dad, should I, should I take his leg? <laughs> but they, they, this is true. I'm just saying, absolutely, because word would have gotten around and it, it, it would have affected everybody. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, how about I end this out with a word of prayer? Unless you guys got a, a last minute. No. All right. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time once again to come together, to study your word, to dive into this, Lord, to look at the facts, the history, uh, the, the topography, Father. Lord, thank you for having this, this technology and your holy word that we can come together, Father, and put these pieces of the puzzle of, of how you've affected the lives of, uh, in this instance, Father, Israel, and uh, in other instances in our own lives. I uh, pray, Father, that uh, you'll please be with us as we continue on throughout our week and beginning of next week until we meet again. And, Father, pray for wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this has been Justin. This is Tom. This has been Sully. And thank you guys for everyone that uh, chimed in, everyone Absolutely. that added to the conversation, both on our YouTube and our Facebook platforms. It's so great to have these kind of talks with you guys. I'll see you guys next week. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. Also, each week, Biblical Chili goes live on YouTube. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now, until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. What a Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.